Whether you're starting a game or starting your day, you need to pick a starting lineup, and you're going to want the starter from Jack Black. Loaded with the superior skincare the pros love, Kings fans can get the starter for just $10, shipping included. Available exclusively at GetJackBlack.com with the code TEAMJB, the starter has four of Jack Black's best-selling skincare and shave products, plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm, SPF 25, in natural mint. Here's to the winning combination for 2022, the LA Kings and the starter from Jack Black. $10 plus free shipping, available at GetJackBlack.com with the code TEAMJB while supplies last. You're listening to an LA Kings podcast. For more episodes of this and every other Kings program, visit LAKings.com slash podcast. Then over the takeaway, more out in front, score! You're listening to All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the LA Kings. One for two in his career in the shootout. Again, to win it. Scores! Thousand Oaks Ferio, Trevor Moore! Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. I am Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. This is our final episode before Christmas, so I just want to take this moment to wish everybody out there a happy holidays, whichever holidays you are celebrating. And for those of you who don't celebrate holidays, I hope you have a nice weekend. Mikey Alexander and I are probably going to drive out to Arizona for Friday's game against the Coyotes. If you're going, if you happen to see us out there, please say hello. Christmas is around the corner, and that means the World Junior Championships is as well. Chris Peters gave me a little WJC preview on Wednesday. We'll get to that in a bit. But first, Trevor Moore. Joining us now, LA Kings forward, number 12. Number 12 on the sheet, number one in your heart. Trevor Moore, how are you doing today, Trev? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Look, no pressure, but I went ahead and printed this up. I looked into the process of legally changing your name. (laughs) If you want... Step one is petitioning the court. Step two is getting a newspaper to announce the intention to change. And then step three is getting a decree from the judge. Will you legally change your name to Thousand Oaks native Trevor Moore? No pressure. I won't, but uh, <laughs> but I think that's really cool, and uh, I didn't know that you could do that. So, oh, yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's something to think easy. about. Yeah, it's something to think about, for so sure. we got the form for you here. Yeah, yeah. That's the first step. Uh, we've got a few contacts in the that's media. Right. You know, yeah. we could get a newspaper article, I think, done pretty quick. Yeah, um, I mean, hopefully, I'm not like stuck in this room until I change my name. But, um, no, I, it's shockingly easy to uh, is it? To, to legally change your name in the state of California. But yeah, cool. these doors are locked. Yeah, they yeah. don't open. That's until right. Exactly. You fill out the form. Yeah. Uh, all right, Trev. Uh, I was looking to call you Trev. That's great. All right, perfect. Um, he said it's it's not Thousand Oaks native Trevor. Moore. That's right. Trev is yeah, yeah, Trev. Yeah. Yeah. Will you legally change your name to Trev? Maybe. Yeah. Right. yeah that's close. Uh, so I was uh, I was. Just sort of looking into your past, and I discovered an interesting detail, and I'm going to see if it comes up organically here. Outside of the AHL and the NHL, can you name all of your former teammates that are currently the property of NHL teams? I don't like that word property, but I think you know what I mean. <clears throat> hmm. um, so all, all time? Yeah. Okay, I'll start younger, I guess. Uh, Eric Comrie, mm-hmm. um, Chase DeLeo, mm-hmm. Andrew Ogilvy. Oh, I didn't have that one. Yeah, he's. Uh, I think he's in Rochester. There you so. go. All right. Yeah. Um, I think. Think. Uh, who else? Adam Ernie. And then I guess I'll go to college. Danton Heinen. 
Gambrell, Troy Terry, Will Butcher. Gosh, now I'm going to feel bad if I'm leaving anyone off. Um, That's a pretty good good list. Yeah. You're leaving off one name that I was a little annoyed hadn't come up in conversation already. Okay. Phoenix Copley. Phoenix Copley. Phoenix Copley. <laughs> ah, I totally spaced that part. Jeez. Yeah. I was flipping through. I did had no idea that you played with him in, for the Tri-City Storm. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, we did. Uh, <laughs> did you remember him? Like, was it like, hey, how are you doing? Or was did you have to reintroduce yourself? No, I mean, I remembered him. Um, <laughs> it's funny. Like, I feel like we just had such different paths after junior. Like, obviously, both went to college and stuff. But it was just, you know, we kind of went our separate ways. And See the same goalie he was in Tri-City? I think so. I don't know. We were we were kids, you know. It's yeah. crazy. Um, it's it's just pretty cool. I, I think we also had uh, Mike Vacchioni is another guy that mm-hmm. you know. Um, is that all the guys on the list? Uh, I had Austin Pugnaski. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, Logan O'Connor. Yep. Yeah, Logan. But I didn't have the other one. Who's the, I've already forgotten his name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another issue that came up for me with the Tri City Storm uh, was the jerseys. Yeah. Is that legal? Is that allowed? I don't know. I, I think we could have a lawsuit on our hands, maybe. I mean, <laughs> he printed out that form. I've got a cease and desist <laughs> yeah, right. in my pocket because that was like two years after the Kings uh, yeah. brought those jerseys I out. I know. Well, when I got there, uh, I think it was right when the Kings won their first cup, maybe, or second cup. Uh, I was pretty fired up to wear those jerseys. You know, it's kind of... Yeah. For those who are listening and have no idea what we're talking about, the Tri-City Storm uh, wore... Basically, Kings jerseys with the but purple, with the shield. Yeah, but purple. Yeah. But even the font mm-hmm. of the TC where the LA would be in the Tri City Storm logo was just, just. I mean, I'm just gonna say, I call it. It was just a rip off of Kings jerseys. <laughs> <laughs> That's just what it was. Well, I think they were the furthest west team, so it kind of was like maybe a little paying a little homage, sure, to, to the Kings, sure. So. And I mean, look, if if the if the exchange in order to avoid um, legal action was that you know Trevor Moore winds up an LA King, I think I think we'll take it. I think that was never the long game, but uh. <laughs> it just worked out that yeah. way. <laughs> I've worked in the minor leagues for a while, and I have plagiarized several NHL jerseys in my day for jersey design. So I don't think the Tri City Storm are all that all that bad. I've I've done it myself. So somebody I don't remember who now in the front office was telling me that a significant amount of the King's legal department's time is spent just writing cease and desist letters. Apparently it's like a really frequently really uh, yeah plagiarized uh logo. I could see it. When we were in on the bus to Edmonton in the playoffs, we found this garage in like Sweden that was literally just like the same thing. It was just the black, silver, and white shield. It was like their logo, but it was just two different letters instead of LA. It's, it's everywhere. <laughs> Overseas. Yeah, Tri City. Yeah. yeah. All right. So then more uh past Trevor Moore trivia. Do you remember who you scored your first goal against? Mm, that was Vancouver. Um was it Marstrom? Was it was. Name? Okay, yeah. There you it's go. pretty good. Nice. Any idea who you scored the most points against in the NHL? Hmm. No, I don't know. Vegas Golden Knights. Really? With nine. Wow. Arizona next with eight. Hmm. And Detroit somehow, seven. And Edmonton, seven. This is regular season, I'm assuming. I didn't double check to yeah. see if the playoffs played into it. but. Hmm. And then, all right, so this is a question... This came up a lot because you guys played Anaheim last night. We're recording this Wednesday morning. The question came up like, who's the who's the team's rival 
it's a question that comes up every time the Kings play the Sharks, the Ducks, the Golden Knights. Mm-hmm. I heard somebody ask uh, somebody from the Golden Knights area who's their biggest rival. They had the Sharks. My feelings got hurt. Um, but like the players, do you even think about who's the biggest rival? The players have biggest rivals. I mean, you don't have to tell us who you hate playing against, but yeah. Well, I think um, I think you know that there's certain matchups that are going to be just inherently more tight checking and, and difficult. Um, I think that like a team like Anaheim is that. I think San Jose has given us a lot of problems the last couple of years, especially in San Jose. Um, and that's just like you said. I don't know if it's a rivalry or just teams knowing each other, but. Um, but you know, it's right now. There's other teams too that are, I don't, at different stages of their their rebuilds, I guess. And those games can be a little bit, you know, tougher, like playing against Vegas and stuff. And we see them a lot. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's always different. But there's definitely rivalries. How much did the playoff series against Edmonton turn that from maybe just a matchup into more of a rivalry because you've had those seven game battles with them now? For sure, I think you go into those series and it's like you know maybe a couple of those guys and then. Um, by the end of the series, you're kind of sick of them and you're like, you know, it's, it's just an, too much seeing the same players over and over. And that carries over for sure. A game like last night against Anaheim, uh, in the third period. The word I used when we were talking to Todd McClellan last night was I said it got unfriendly. And, you know, I was asking, does it does that build during the course of the game? Or is it just one moment that happens? Now, he didn't answer the question. He just chose to critique my use of the word unfriendly um but does that kind of thing build like can you feel that in the first period that that's coming um not really i mean i, th- I think that the whole game was intense like especially when you're playing anaheim like that i don't know i don't know if it was building to that but it was you know i think that we checked well and you know guys got frustrated and um yeah i mean it's hockey two phrases that i've heard a lot <laughs> this year or last year that I'd literally never heard before in my life. Check for your chances. Mm-hmm. And one you just used yesterday, I think, pressure over principles. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you what check for your chances means? Um, for me, it means just not cheating for offense. Um, staying above the puck and getting your chances that way. Like, you can be behind the defenseman and get the chances that way. That would be a little bit more cheating side. And then uh, check for your chances would be make him come through you and then go get your chances that way. And then pressure versus principles is just like a PK um, little slogan, if you will, that Jan's uh, had come up with last year. Uh, just kind of to help our penalty cut out a little bit. I'm going to give you full permission here to hurt my feelings if you want to. A couple times this season, I have hung back after a scrum and said to you, like, hey, nice. I think I said it to you the other game. Mm-hmm. Like, nice defensive play, picking the puck off a guy's stick. Do you care when someone like me gives you a compliment on something that I clearly have no idea what I'm talking about? <laughs> no, or yeah. is that just annoying? Well, it's super nice. And I <laughs> I think it's really nice that you do that. Um, especially because it's, you know, a couple things that I guess you maybe don't get a lot of credit for. So mm. I thought it was super nice. All right. So thank you. Like I said, full yeah. permission to hurt my feelings if you want. <laughs> no, it was All really right. nice. I mean, I would never do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, while we have you here, I want to talk about the extension a little bit. Um, was there ever any doubt in your mind that if you were to commit five more years to mm-hmm. a team that it was going to be this team? Um, I don't know. I wanted to stay in L.A. Um, I let my agent deal with most of it, but the goal for me was to stay in L.A. Uh, 
Blakey and Todd have been all, always been super fair to me. I knew the situation here, um, and, and I just obviously enjoy it here. So when they came back, you know, talking about five years and stuff, it was a no-brainer for me. I knew that, that, that I wanted to play here for a long time, and um super grateful. Without naming names, are there former teammates, former coaches, kids you grew up with, teachers in school who told you give this up? This dream isn't going to happen that you wish you could call them up and, you know, just send them like a text of your first pay stub or something. And say, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, I'm sure there was it was weird in California, especially like where we were and at that time period that hockey wasn't like on the radar and we were driving a long way to practice. So, I mean, my mom and dad, they would drive me from Thousand Oaks to Lakewood for anyone who knows how far that is. And in rush that's hour. no joke <laughs> yeah in, in, in rush hour after school was was horrible um at that paramount rink like near the denny's uh in the back of that big parking lot and like I, I mean, yeah yeah, yeah. Not, i think so yeah where's that lakewood one um I, I i probably that one but anyway so we're driving out there my parents are doing that four or five times a week after school and uh it, it was it was brutal i don't know how my parents did it i'm super grateful but my mom i, I think the story was that we had to go in there my sophomore year of high school and say, hey, like, there's a lot of travel this year for him to play hockey. Uh, you know, can he get do independent study, like, for PE so he can just get out before lunch and do that kind of stuff? And they were giving out independent study to a lot of people. And I'm not bashing the school, but they said that they don't recognize hockey as a, as an independent wow. study class. This is a story that I that I heard. I wasn't there for it. But um, so I had to do – my parents put me in online school that year, and we kind of had to do that. So – um, if that, that could be cl- maybe be classified as a moment where hundred percent. Yeah. A great story because yeah. I played high school hockey. I, I'm not the NH- I'm not very yeah. good. I got independent <laughs> study for PE. Yeah. I could leave after lunch and cause I played hockey. They gave me that in New York. Right. And that is hilarious that they did not give that to you. Yeah. And I'm not bashing the school. Like it's not, you know, just not a super recognized sport out there and they have their curriculum and all that kind of stuff. So it is what it is, but it was definitely, uh. You so, so your parents put you on an online school rather than have you like play paddle ball and <laughs> climb the yeah. rope and all this stuff. And, and it was a great, PE it was a great class. year. Uh, me and Chase DeLeo did school together uh, a couple of days a week and we had a tutor and stuff. We had a lot of fun. That's wild. That's you know? wild. Yeah. I will bash the school. I don't, you don't have to tell me the name of it, but I will. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> well, I, I like the school. It. It's not their fault. It's not their fault. <laughs> Oh, you're too nice. you got to hurt somebody's feeling here today. Um, All right, so I asked fans if they wanted to uh, submit any questions, and I tried to keep them as interesting as possible. Um, One question was, who's the best trash talker in the league? In the league? Um, I'm just going to go with Dewey. I think that um, playing against him and then playing with him, he's always talking out there, and he's always got something to say. Are there any guys on other teams who don't trash talk but – are almost so nice and polite about their game that you know that that's how they trash talk. Mm, say that again. So okay, so I was watching. So I've been watching way too many TikToks. Yeah, yeah. and they're talking. Players always talk about Tim Duncan, mm-hmm. and you know the city wouldn't trash talk, but he would you know just dominate a guy all night long, and then if a guy finally managed to get a, a bucket off him, he'd say like, "Oh, nice job." And they'd say like that was more insulting than yeah. listening to him. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I can't really. Uh... I know Connor McDavid puts up with a lot out there. Mm-hmm. He's obviously the focal point of a lot of game plans. Um, and he doesn't say much, but I guess that could be classified as he's kind of a nice guy who just goes out there and dominates and 
you know, early in your career, you put a huge hit on Zidane Chara. I think we've talked to you about that before. But we'll bring it up again. Did you like when you're going up against a guy like that? Mm-hmm. Do you have time to process? <laughs> do I really want to do this? Is this a wise decision, or do you just have to do it and not even think about it? No, it was. Uh, I think. You know, maybe that was my third shift of the game. Maybe we were in the second period at that point. I don't know. So I, my legs were fresh. I was flying out there. Uh, so I just, I don't know. I saw him and I was just trying to make an impact in the game. And he, he was super nice about it. You say you don't know, but I have a sneaking suspicion you know exactly what shift it was. Because I didn't <laughs> I wouldn't have known that. Like, are you one of those players that could, if I threw out a game, could you, like, recall the details no, of the game? No, actually, I have no idea when that shift was. I'll okay, be honest. Right. Like, but I have a bad memory. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, then the other question, there was about three or four versions of this question, which was, we've heard from Todd McClellan that the coaching staff took responsibility for not finding you a home, is the phrase they've used, until they put you on that line with Deneau and Arvidsson. But was there anything in your process, from your perspective, that allowed you to take that leap from you know a guy looking for a home to a guy who has now sort of reinvented his career yeah i think that's super nice of him to say and to try to take some ownership for my lack of production at that time but i don't think you know i I can't sit here and say that i didn't have a home and that's why it wasn't going well i just think it was you know i don't think i was playing badly it was just the puck wasn't going in the net and that's hockey sometimes um and then you get to play with a guy like phil and a guy like rv and you know things uh things go a little better from there because they're such good players but i don't think i did anything different i think it was just i was trying to play my game um, the whole time, and then, you know, you get a little confidence, a little momentum, and things get better. There's a phrase I heard real recently. We did an episode with a former king, Jason Padolin, who's now a mental – I'm blanking on his title. Apologies, Jason. But the phrase was, it's better to have – excuse me, better to have uh, – now I'm totally screwing up the phrase. <laughs> it's better to be prepared Thank you. That's it. without an opportunity than to have an opportunity and not be prepared. See, I listen to your episodes. Yeah, it's <laughs> closer than I do. Um, but I mean, do you feel like that's maybe a, a descriptor of of where you were over the last couple of years? You were prepared, waiting for an opportunity. Yeah, I think so. I think that. Um, I, I mean, I hope I, I hope that was the case. Um, I think there's a lot of guys like that too. Who I've always said that when I was in the American League that the top six in in the A could all slot into the NHL. You know, it's just a matter of getting that opportunity and seizing the opportunity and. There's a lot of good players. It's hard to get those opportunities, so you got to be ready. How much does an assistant coach change the the room? The like, how long does it take to adapt? You know, Jim Hiller comes in. Does it change anything that much? Um, I think that the the culture and the everything is still already there with the you know Todd and Jans. Um, but he's came in and he's had a he's got great energy. He's always you know, playing a lot of Motley Crue in the locker room. He, he's a big fan of that. Uh, he's been great and our power play has been doing well. So it's been a, been good to have him. All right. So you, you've played in Denver, you've played in Toronto, you've played now in Los Angeles this morning. I got in my car and it was 47 degrees (laughs) in Los Angeles. And I have to ask you who's experienced this. What is colder 47 in LA or like 20 in Toronto or Denver? That's a good question. Yeah, that is a good question. Because, man, that was cold this morning. It was cold this morning. Yeah. 
Like, I, I wore a t-shirt this morning. So, I think kind of LA is uh, is a little colder because you're just not prepared for it. 45 in LA is below 32 in these other cities. It's freezing. Yeah, especially. In these other cities. Yeah, especially, uh, you know, when you're, you're not ready for it. You're not wearing a jacket. You're just going outside expecting another sunny, warm day. Do you do Spotify wrapped? Yeah, but I don't. I, I don't. I don't get on there very much. No. Yeah. You want to share with us uh, some some highlighted uh, musical groups? Uh I mean, I had a little bit of Metallica on there. I was I was getting a little little old school. But All right. Yeah, nothing crazy. All right, now okay. they're, you they're did it. You hurt my feelings. <laughs> Calling Metallica old school. They're coming to <laughs> coming to SoFi this summer. Did you I see know. that? Yeah. yeah, I think we're gonna go. Yeah, I've seen them once. They're, really? They're good. I'm yeah. planning to go. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. How about Reddit, uh, whatever the version of Wrapped is for Reddit? I think it's like called Bananas or something like that. I don't get on Reddit very much. Ever have? Not really, no. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, next time you come on, we're going to open up the MI the Asshole uh, subreddit, and we're going to give you some <laughs> <laughs> give you some, some scenarios. Trevor, we're going to let you go. I know you've got to go get practice and uh, get out on the ice there, so we'll be watching you. We'll see you in the room soon. Yeah, thank you very much, guys. Hey there, Kings fans. Time again for me to ask for your help finding the original owner of this jersey that I've been carrying around for 20 years. I know mentioning it on this podcast probably isn't enough, and at this point, I have pretty much given up on the idea of finding the person in time for Christmas. I haven't given up on finding them, though. I'm I'm recruiting some people to help me. But you can still do something for me. Have a great time this weekend. Keep an eye out for anybody that looks like they're struggling. I've got a complicated personal history with the holidays. I never really knew how to feel about them. Without getting into too much detail, I'll just say I grew up celebrating Christmas and Hanukkah while also recognizing the winter solstice. So understand when I say complicated, I mean complicated. I don't have any holiday plans this year, but I've received loads of invitations from friends and strangers. And while I will probably be spending Christmas Eve day driving home from Arizona with Mikey Alexander... The invitations have meant a tremendous amount to me. So whatever holiday you celebrate, whatever plans you have, enjoy them. Enjoy each other. And, you know, if you can muster up the energy, for me, take some time out to be just a little bit nicer to everybody. All right. That is enough out of me. Happy holidays, you guys. Here's Chris Peters. Joining me now, friend of the show, Chris Peters. How are you doing today, Chris? Jesse, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. World Juniors is coming up, and the Kings, we don't have 11 guys. We don't have nine guys. This year, we've got three guys. Uh, Not bad. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, but one of them, honestly, I feel like carries enough drama and history uh, (laughs) for 11 guys. So let's just start out uh, with Brant Clark, who will be playing for Team Canada. Why was this the year that Brant Clark finally made Team Canada? I say as if it's like this decades long thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was such a tough decor to crack last year. And, and, you know, I think, yeah, that, that it just, it just is a tough team to make every year. I think the, the reason it is this year is because Brant took a step. He did, he, you know, he's, he, he, I, we noticed it at that, that rookie tournament in uh, San Jose at the start of the season. It was just, he is, he was playing more mature. He was making better decisions with the puck. He's playing better defensively. The skating looked better as well. You know, so he made improvements. And then obviously having the NHL experience that he did this year goes a long way. There's just not something that most players in this tournament are going to experience. He'll be one of three players on Team Canada that played NHL games this season, which is very rare to have uh, for a team at this stage. But, 
know, I, and I think part of it is, is that, you know, having that experience, having played in the AHL as well, having gotten some good reps and then, you know, not having played a ton um, at the NHL level more recently, you know, it, it's a great opportunity for him to get himself on track, getting, getting, get himself back to where he feels he's able to contribute. And then it also buys the Kings some time to decide, you know, exactly what the next step is going to be for him. But I think overall, uh, it made a ton of sense for him to be a part of this blue line. Uh, they have dynamic players on all three pairings. Uh, so they have offensive balance and then they, they've paired each of those guys with a more defensive minded player. So it gives them real great balance in the back end. And I think, you know, for this team, they have such good forwards. They need good puck movers on the back end to get the puck to them. And there are a few better at that than, than Brandt. Any idea how much scouting goes into the construction of these teams? I mean, I was under the impression that the players have the camps and have, you know, a general resume to get them on the team. But once they're there, the decision's made primarily on what they do once they're there. Yeah. So in, in the case of at least the U.S. and Canada, um, and, and more so that Canada, they've always had a full-time scout for their world junior team. So they're going to games. They're going all across the country. They're going wherever they have to go. They're watching a lot of video. They have a, a, a management group that helps make the decision. Um, and the coaching staff is very intimately involved in that as well. So there is, uh, there is a continuing, continuing, uh, evaluation process that each player is going through throughout the entire first half of the season, really right up until that last, uh, you know, basically that last or first weekend in December when Canada is getting close to naming their, their camp. And then soon they have, they, they have their camp soon after that. So it's the, you know, there's the summer camp, there's then the evaluation throughout the season. And, you know, I think when you've played NHL games, when you've allowed, you know, played well enough to make an NHL team, that's a huge feather in your cap. And then when you play well while you're there and then you play well in your AHL stint and, you know, you, you've shown some progression in another way, um, you know, that, that really helps. And, you know, it should be noted too, Canada did cut a returning player from the roster. Carson Lambos, who's a Minnesota wild prospect was cut. So, I mean, there was, you know, there were, it was still going to be a hard team to make, but beyond that, you know, like it, they're, they feel like they've, they, they had enough, there where they, they didn't need to take another puck mover like like Lambos. I may be looking for something that isn't there, but Brant Clark was assigned to the Ontario Reign for a conditioning assignment. And, you know, I went down and watched a game of uh, spoke to him after the game and he said all the right things. He his body language was correct. His mood was proper. You know, is is that the sort of thing that they might even be including in that scouting report? You know, here's a guy who very famously was left off of previous rosters. Now here he is. He's made the NHL, but he's sent down for a conditioning stint. He handles it well. So maybe now he's, you know, for whatever reason, he didn't make it before. Does that, right. Or am I just making stuff? Right. Up? Yeah. I mean, I, I still think, you know, I, I, I still think that to be honest, you know, I, I felt like Canada last year made the right call, Um, you know, which, you know, and it wasn't, I, it wasn't, it was just because of the quality of the group that they had. And then, you know, but this year, absolutely the character and how you carry yourself, how you're going to be in a team setting. Um, You know, some guys can view going back to the world juniors. I think most Canadians, they want to play in that tournament. So they won't view it as a, as a demotion or anything like that. But sometimes some guys are like, Hey, I'm an NHL player. Now I should be in the NHL. When you're younger, that's not always just because you've made it, at the outset doesn't mean that you are an NHL player. It means that you've been given another opportunity to prove that you belong. 
And I think what, you know, be, character matters and how you handle things and how you handle either adversity, injuries, um, you know, being sent down for the conditioning assignment. I mean, the the biggest thing that he needed to do was play games. He played games. He played them well and, and you know, handled himself well. So that does that does play a role. And, you know, I think that for him now, the the opportunity to be a part of this team and to not just be a part of it, but to be a leading player and, to, you know, be on the top four and to have a significant role. You know, that's that's really good for him. And it's going to be uh, a very positive, uh, positive development for, you know, not just now, but long term to have an opportunity to, to, to play in this event, play some high level hockey. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see kind of, uh, you know, what what the Kings next move with him is, because they're, they'll have a lot of options available to them when he does return from the World Juniors. But you have to wait and see how he does there first. And, and you know, I think there's high expectations that he's going to have some success. Yeah, and Team Canada is not a team that it's easy to shine on, I would imagine. Um, that's true. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it, it goes both ways, right? Sometimes some guys are going to thrive in that environment around elite players, and they're just, you know, it's almost like an NHL caliber team where you're, where you're, you've got guys that can finish at an NHL level. So, you know, the plays that you're making that maybe there were a couple plays that you made in the AHL where you would, you would have expected a guy to finish, but he didn't quite have that, the quality, you know, that, that, at this with this Canadian World Junior team should be the case, but but again, yeah, it like it. Let's say Brant Clark has three points in the tournament. Does that mean he had a bad tournament, or does it just right. mean that basically, hey, there that there is one puck on the ice, and there are twenty legit studs on that team, you know? So it is hard to to stand out sometimes, but but other guys definitely rise to that occasion, and playing with elite players allows them to have uh, some success. One of my personal concerns with the tournament in general is you know baseline like acceptable is has to be exceptional right if you're playing for team canada or team us you know or i shouldn't say team usa but a team with high expectations whether it's sweden or canada or whatever country it is going into a tournament if your country has high expectations you, you can only disappoint Right. And so if <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean, like the, the yeah. upside is very is static. And then there's just this all this opportunity. Yeah. Appointment. So for a guy like Brant Clark, wh- I mean, what does a successful tournament look like for him? Especially again, building in that narrative of the previous seasons when he was not on the team. Yeah, you know, I think I think there are a couple of things that he's gonna have to prove um that aren't necessarily points related. You know, how is he handling the the game, the speed of the game in his own zone? How is he, ha- you know, the, the world juniors moves close to an NHL pace. It's not quite NHL pace, but it moves very fast. It's probably moves a little faster than the AHL game as well. So um, the difference is, is you're dealing with a lot of experience at those levels. So here it's a lot more flash and death. So you have to be able to handle the pace. You got to be able to defend in your own zone. Yeah. You know, Canada has got a blue line that is big, that is heavy. You know, so he doesn't necessarily have to be like the stalwart defensive player. It's just a matter of, you know, being solid enough in his own zone. So where you're not a liability. The other thing that you have to prove, at least in, with this team is, can you move pucks and can you move them quickly? Can you make the right decisions with the puck? Are you limiting mistakes when you do have the puck on your stick? Those are going to be key things. Um, are you able to slow the game down? Are you able to play at the pace that you're comfortable at by, you know, making this move or that move or, or taking that extra second to make the correct play? Um, you know, so it's, it's playing fast, but playing smart on top of that. So there's a lot of different elements there. Now, I, if he ends up on, on the, on the power play, great. You know, there are so many good weapons that, you know, you, you would hope that somebody with, with Brand Clark's puck skills, he'd be there. Um, 
And but the, but the issue is, is that you know Olin Zellweger is a returning player. They've got other guys. You know they also have Kevin Korchinski, who's a really dynamic defenseman too. Is he going to get power play time? So if you don't get power play time, it's making an impact at five on five. It's making a you know being being uh, accountable um, at even strength. And I think that that's those those will be successful things for Canada. It's a gold or bust situation for the team. So you're exactly right. Anything less than that is is a disappointment. And I think for the guys that play at the NHL level, anything less than, you know, being a productive player is disappointing. I don't take that view because I know how hard this tournament is. I know how difficult it can be to stand out in these settings. And also the fact that it's ultimately seven games of a, a snapshot of a season. And you you could have a bad week, you could have a bad game, and it matters significantly in this tournament. So um, that's the other thing... It, so what I would say is too is that don't view the World Juniors as the end all be all. You know, don't view it as the complete referendum on a player because that's not what it is. It is it is a snapshot in a season, an important one, but it is not. You know, defining. I was just uh, talking to somebody else about. You know, you look at Jason Robertson as one of the best scorers in the NHL right now. He was an okay World Junior player. You know, like it was oh fine. He was fine. Scored some goals. Had a couple of good games. You know, didn't necessarily stand out, got a silver medal, you know, but was he, was he exceptional? And, and, and the answer is no, but I mean, you know, Adam Fox, same thing. He won a Norris trophy. He was, he was fine at the world. <laughs> you know, like it was, it's, it's just funny how that works out. It's it, so, so don't let it be a complete referendum on the player either. A couple of years ago, I think it was the WJCs all sort of blend together in my mind, but we had, I think it was Byfield and Spence on team Canada the same year. Yeah. And- yeah. And Byfield, right, was considered disappointing because he didn't have, whatever, 20 points in seven games. Jordan Spence, I think, only played one game. Yeah. But just the fact that he made the team was considered a tremendous victory because he's fourth-round pick. He was the only guy on the roster that wasn't a goalie that was not a first-round pick. Um, the Kings now have Kenny Connors, who's also a fourth-round pick, playing for Team USA. Is this a scenario where we should view it as a win that he's even on the roster? I think so. I mean, yeah, because I, I think no disrespect you know, to Kenny Connors, but no, it, it, no, not at all. But I mean, he his play is dictated. You know, he was a guy that I thought from the beginning of the season was in the mix to be on this team, and did not shock me one bit when he was on the roster because he's had a very good start at, at UMass. I watched him a lot last year with Dubuque, and I I think he's so versatile that he can fit into so many different roles for your team. So when Chaz Lucius was injured and not able to play, he's Team USA's number two center. They put Kenny Connors up there at the number two center. He's going to play down the lineup because Lucius is healthy. But that's the other that's that's the great thing about Kenny Connors is he will you put him in any situation, he's going to find a way to make an impact one way, you know, it, it, often in a positive way. Um, and he was a heart and soul player for Dubuque last year. He's a heart and soul player for UMass now. Um, and he, I think he can be for Team USA. He won't get tons of minutes. He probably won't have a ton of points. But if if USA's depth doesn't do something at this tournament, they're not going to have a chance. So they need to have they need to have that secondary scoring, and hopefully he's a part of that. If you know if you're a Kings fan, um, but the fact that he's on the roster is a great indication of kind of where he's at currently. And the, the, the important thing to know about the World Juniors is. When we draft players, and I, I probably say this every year on your podcast, Jesse, but when we draft players, or not me because I don't draft them, but when, when NHL teams, player, yeah, when okay. one drafts a player, yeah, they're drafting for the future. They're not 
it's not about what you do right now. The World Juniors is about right now. What can you do right now? It your your upside is irrelevant. So what you can and, and Kenny Connors is a guy that right now can make an impact at the World Junior Championship. And that is a great thing for the long term. Um, you know, is he gonna be a star player? No, but is he gonna be a guy that could potentially find his way into the depth of your lineup? And the role that he's playing for Team USA is likely what he slots in as as, as an NHL player then that's a really good thing. So this is good practice for that because at UMass, he's going to be a top-line guy. He's going to be a high-end, but but in the NHL, I don't think that's going to be the case for him. So so this could be a really good um, preview of what his upside ultimately is. There's a phrase that I just stumbled across in interviewing former NHLer Jason Padolin, and apologies to listeners, this will be the second time they've heard this phrase on the <laughs> podcast and maybe like the eighth time over the last two weeks. But the phrase is, um, it's better to have an opportunity, uh, or excuse me, it's better to be prepared and never get an opportunity than to get an opportunity and not be prepared. Is Kenny Connors maybe an example of that where he is prepared? Now it's just a question of whether or not the opportunity presents itself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that his 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 USHL career, the start of his college career, um, that all says that he has been, you know, kind of training and, and preparing for, for this kind of opportunity at this stage of his career, um, which is ultimately a step on the, you know, the ultimate ride to trying to get to the NHL. But, you know, Kenny was a guy that I ranked in my draft rankings last year. You know, you only rank, I only rank a hundred players and he was one of the guys that I had in there. Um, and, and I have such admiration for the way that he plays and the, the versatility that he shows. And so, you know, I think that the the biggest reason that he's part of Team USA is because they, he can do anything. And they, you know, would it shock me if he somehow jumps into a top six role or if they, you know, somebody's injured and they need him to do something else? Not at all, because he basically can do, you know, he can play any kind of role you need him to play. Are there other uh, teams like Team Canada backing up a little bit with that sort of gold or bust mentality heading into this tournament? Well, I, I think at this point, USA is there now where they, they feel like they have to win the gold medal. And I think that's a great mentality to have. I think it's the one, you know, certainly, you know, last year losing in the quarterfinals was shocking. It was, they, they went undefeated in the, the prelims and just laid a complete egg in this, in the quarterfinals. And so that was a huge disappointment. Um, even though it was a summer tournament and everything was weird last year, but you know, but. Last year, it was three months ago. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Three, yeah, yeah. This summer, it feels. I got COVID there. It feels like it was like a lifetime ago. Um, it was the worst World Juniors ever. But anyway, um, <laughs> but but you know, I think that uh, I, I think that you know, for for um, I lost my train of thought. But I think for this tournament, <laughs> no, it's okay. It's all right. Um, you know, I, I think in addition to the U.S. You know, Sweden is going to say, Hey, we, we have enough, we have enough firepower. We have a bunch of first rounders in our forward group. They don't have their best defenseman in Simon Edmondson. You know, maybe there's a little bit of an excuse there, but they won't look at it that way. Finland is always a team that thinks that they can compete. But really, I think that Canada is far and away the best team on paper. Um, I think the U.S. has a chance to potentially challenge them. I think Finland always plays a style that can challenge them. Um, last year, Finland's team was so far below Canada depth wise, but they took them to overtime in that game. Um, you know, and, and almost were, were a Mason McTavish stick away from winning the whole thing. Um, and so that's, that's how the, the margins in this tournament can be so slim. The one team that I'm watching that I think 
could disrupt everything. And maybe I'm giving them way too much credit. But I think Czechia is going to be a team that has a chance to disrupt the party. They did it last year against the U.S. They beat the U.S. in the quarterfinals and then, you know, ultimately made it to the to the medal round. They, they haven't won a medal at this thing since, I think, 2005. They have a, a decor. They have good enough goaltending and they have just enough offense where it's like, hey, maybe they can make some noise in this tournament. So that's one team that I'm looking at to say, hey, maybe maybe they have a chance to really surprise us. But uh, we'll have to wait and see because that's why we play the games, I guess. Yeah, I'm going to backtrack to another team you mentioned a, a moment ago, Finland, because the third player the Kings have representing, well, he's not representing the Kings in the tournament, he's representing <laughs> Finland, but uh, the third player uh, the Kings uh, own the the rights to is Otto Selene, I think it's Selene, Selene? Believe I, you know, with the, with the Finns, you, you just, sometimes you have to, to yeah. guess, I, I try to get it right, but yeah, but uh, you know, I think. He's another he's another interesting uh player in that, you know, I, I just watched the US Finland pre tournament game. You know, I saw Celine or Salin or however we're gonna say it. Uh, you know, saw him at the U eighteens last year as well. Um, you know, he's kind of an unassuming defenseman, moves pucks fine. He's got some, you know, some some good defensive ability. He's not an overly big guy, you know, decent skater. Does a few things here and there. Like, is he going to jump out at you at this tournament? You're going to say, wow, this guy is special. No, but I think that, you know, he has a lot of good habits. He plays a really simple game. Um, when he does simplify, I think that makes him more effective. And, it'll, you know, he'll probably be down uh, down the lineup a little bit. They've got some really good puck movers in their group that they're going to probably have in an elevated role, um, including Aaron Kiviharyu, who's not even draft eligible until 2024. Um, but probably their best defenseman. <laughs> um, so, you know, there's a lot to, to look forward to and like about, about that Finnish team. And, you know, a guy like Celine is going to play, um, you know, re- relatively you know, solid minutes, a regular shift. And, you know, is, he, he probably won't jump out at you, but he'll be effective. What, what is a, so Finland is one of those countries where every year, like I, they're never listed as a favorite. But if you go back and you check their Wikipedia page, I think this, I feel like I say this to you every time, every time we talk about this, you know, Finland just racks up medals, whether it's bronze, silver, or gold. So what yep. is it, what is a good tournament for auto and for Finland look like? Yeah. I mean, I think Finland has to feel like they can do, do no worse than bronze. You know, like I, I feel like that that should always be the expectation for them. They've won three gold medals in the last decade. Um, you know, if you go back the last 10 years, basically it's three, three and three or four, four for Canada now, um, uh, you know, for, for, for winning uh, in the last 10 years. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, Finland's always in the mix there and, or, or they you know, they were in the gold medal game last year as well. So, um, I, you know, I think that they're, the interesting thing is, you know, they didn't look all that good against USA in a pre-tournament game. They had a few guys sitting out with illness. Um, and you know, that's the other thing is everybody going to stay healthy in this whole tournament. Uh, lots of stuff going around. Um, I mean, I even remember before COVID times where the flu took out a couple of teams and, uh, in, uh, in this tournament. So, you know, there's, there's so many variables, but I think that Finland, you know, they've got some really good talents up front. Their blue line is kind of similar to the U S where it's not very big. Um, but they move pucks pretty well. And then, you know, it's just a matter of if they get the goaltending and, and I don't think they have, you know, they, they don't have their typical, like super high end goaltending in this tournament. Uh, the, the guys they have are fine. They're pretty decent, but you know, are they going to run away with the thing? I don't think so. So, uh, but you know, I think, and, and for Salon, it's just basically playing a regular shift for a team that's contending, you know, and, and being a part of the PK, being a part of, 
you know, whatever, whatever, yeah, you making an impact at five on five because he's not going to be on the power play. Um, you know, I think that's, that's probably a good tournament for him. And then, yeah, but I mean, Finland is absolutely every single year. You just can't count them out because of the style that they play and, and uh, the effort that they give every single time it, it makes them a threat. Chris, you always give an effort and you are always a threat and we appreciate you uh, giving us your time today. I, pre- I appreciate you saying that. Thank you very much, Jesse. It's a, it's a, it's a pleasure to be here. This is the best time of the year. And, uh, yeah, really, really glad to, uh, glad to be with you, and, and I hope everybody enjoys the tournament. We'll talk to you soon.